Hello, welcome to Christmas Actually with Luke Allen and Lara Collier, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film Love Actually, one day at a time. It's Monday the 14th of December, actually. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Lara Collier. Hello! And our two guests for today, Alice Lauren. Hello! And Callum Reed. Hello! Now, once again, for today's episode, we had a couple of little bits of, of scheduling issues. So here we are to record a separate part of the episode that we're going to insert. So at random points throughout the episode, you'll notice that it's me and Lara talking rather than with the guests. And it's just, you know, spice things up a little, make it a bit more fun. <laughs> so would you both like to briefly introduce who you are? Go ahead, Callum. Uh, out, go, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm Callum Reed. Um, I'm... A previous guest of uh, Luke's podcast about two minutes about time, uh, and I'm a film fan, film maker, sort of uh, student. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. Alice, I'm sure you're yeah. probably way more interesting. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I, I'm Alice Lauren, and I've worked with Luke a million billion times on on other podcasts, such as Two Minutes About Time. Well, yeah. You were the second guest we had on, I think. Was I? Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, uh, just, yeah, the week I, I forgot I'm... to plug my microphone in. That's what I. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm I'm a comedian, podcaster, love movies, and yeah, just happy to be talking about a really sweet, romantic, sort of funny movie. Yeah, oh, I, I like how we say "sort of funny" because this week. Yeah, I don't know. Really I don't isn't. know if I want to say comedy or not. <laughs> It, it is a comedy, but this week yeah. it isn't really. Um, it it well, does vary, doesn't it? Yeah, which is what Richard's great at, really, is that, yeah. that sort of drama within the comedy, even in like stuff like Vicar of Dibley. Even in Blackadder, there are some really sad moments. Like, uh-huh. uh, I don't, have either of you watched Blackadder? I've yeah. watched clips, but fun fact, I did a scene from Blackadder at my like youth theatre drama club thing a couple of years ago. Um, I played, oh, what's his name? The, you know, the stupid one, Baldrick. Baldrick, yeah. Uh, Which era, Blackadder? It's the, like, one about World War uh, yeah, one or two. One. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and find the scene and you can post it somewhere. Um, <laughs> like the original scene, not my version. Uh, that's, <laughs> not, that's not caught on video, probably, thankfully. Um but yeah, that was fun. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Alice, did you say you'd seen Blackadder or no? No, I, I said I, I wish. Because I mm. know that, well, that one and that well, I don't. I mean, I know the, the title. I don't know what it's about. But I remember we keep talking about Vicar of Dibley every yes. single time I talk to you. So yes, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and Alice, I need, to, I need to get you on a Vicar of Dibley show I'm doing next year. Yes. Any, yeah, anybody <laughs> who has BritBox or whatever. I don't, you, you probably don't yeah. need BritBox. But anyone who has any any like passwords for me, I'm in. I'm I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I feel like is would I lie to you? You've been talking about Lee Mack and all the yes, <laughs> all his I, hilarity. So. I feel like I feel like it's only Richard Curtis's films that seem to have an audience that's broader than just the UK. Um, yeah, well, his... well, Mr. Bean, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's true, actually. Um, and up until recently, I didn't even know that was 
um, he was a part of creating that. I thought that was yeah. solely uh, Rowan Atkinson. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, his 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 TV shows, I guess, sort of have more of a cult following. No, like they're the massive here, but they're not. Oh yeah. Um, but then his his uh, films are proper like staples of the like romantic yes. comedy genre. Definitely. I mean, he's he still had some beautiful films that have slid under the radar, but they're very few and far between. And well, some would say about time. I mean, yes, definitely. I'm sure we mentioned that multiple times mm. in that podcast. But yeah, well, the film um, that the film that Richard made that he is most proud of is a film called The Girl in the Cafe that not that many people have actually seen. Oh right. Um, well, maybe that's maybe that's your next podcast then. I'd I'd love to. I'm talking next year about doing a similar show to what we're doing here. But with a TV Christmas movie, Richard Curtis did in nineteen ninety. Oh, nice! Called Bernard and the Genie, starring Alan Cumming, Rowan Atkinson, and Lenny Henry. Oh, what a cast! It was the first time Richard Curtis and his uh, now partner Emma Freud had worked together uh, properly on a film, and a lot of the film is filmed inside their flat. Uh, oh, which is just lovely, and it's it's a lovely film, a Christmas movie about a genie that I hope to do next year. Um, and we'll see what happens there. I might host that on my own because I don't think I can get anyone else who's seen it. Or maybe like ask, well, Robert, it... ask like Robert or someone who hasn't seen it to come and like watch well, it, it for give the me... first time, scene by scene. I don't know. I'm sure it would oh, give yeah. me the excuse to to watch it because that's what's happened with the two uh, Richard Curtis themed podcasts I've guested on of yours yeah. so far. I mean, I had seen the two films before, but like like I've said before, not in ages. Um, and it gave me a chance to kind of like uh, rewatch them again, fully form my thoughts about them, yes, which so, we'll get on to in a minute. So what are both of your, briefly, what are both of your experiences with Love Actually? Oh Alice, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've seen it multiple times. I don't remember when I first saw it. Um, but I mean, I remember, it's interesting kind of rewatching it and being like, oh my gosh, this is not as good. Like, like I'm mean, I still love it. Cause I still love it. I'm not saying it to be like, I never want to see this again. But like, it's, you know, you, you obviously pick up more on the rewatch about like the acting is a little strange or this, you know, character motivation is a little strange. I think we'll talk about a little bit as, you know, as we go on today. But. Yeah. Well, both. No, that that's not acting, Alice. That's just British people. That's just British people. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I remember when I was—I think I was a uh, in, in in high school. I think I was like seventeen years old, and we were doing like it was like one act plays. So we were doing this like sh- short like British play, and I was like, it was supposed to be like comedy plays, and I was like, this isn't funny, and they're like. Alice, it's British. Like, it's not supposed to be so they can laugh out loud and think it's hilarious, you know? It's I like mean, the concept's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that is kind of a lot of our humour. We still have some laugh out louds. But, yeah. for example, that was a sort of thing that I aimed for with an awful short film that I made. It was my first film, where the concept in itself was funnier than the execution, which is just bad filmmaking, admittedly, but I just say it's British and get out of it. Um which I think, Callum, you saw my first film, Sixteenth Minute. Which, like, the concept, I'm proud of. The execution, not so much. Callum, what's your experience with Love Actually? So, my first experience with Love Actually is very similar to my experience with About Time. Which, if you've listened to my episodes on that podcast, um, you'll be familiar with. So, I have seen the film before, but not in quite a few years. I may have even seen it 
twice over the years. But regardless, I haven't seen it in ages. So I came to rewatching it last night. Um, and like, I was kind of uh, wondering whether the same kind of effect was going to happen, uh, which happened with About Time and the fact that I kind of rediscovered this film I thought was just kind of this average like rom-com that I didn't really care for um and discovered that it's actually this really really lovely film with like so many layers um that is you know perfect for discussing in a podcast so I did actually have quite high expectations going into this rewatch in that respect I will say now uh spoiler alert didn't quite match the heights of my about time rewatch but i'd enjoy it i don't think i think you'd have to be a very very um sad person to not find some enjoyment in about time yes robert yes (laughs) (laughs) actually he's our exact producer he may be listening (laughs) but i'm i'm sure i'd agree with any of robert's criticism yeah yeah. which is similar to i was listening to it and i was like yes i just i agree with everything that's wrong with this film but I kind of anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think a way of sort of summar- summarizing it would be: with about time, I agree with all the criticisms, but they don't bother me as much. Mm. Whereas with Love Actually, I agree with all the c- criticisms, and they do kind of like take me out of the film a little bit. But I still enjoy it, but like not quite yeah. as much as About Time. Well, with, so, with yeah. this, I have the, I have both views of doing this. Yeah. Really mm. weird. Like, doing this, every time it's like, oh, how did they allow that to happen? How's that continuity issue? How's that bad extra? How's blah, blah, blah. But then also I'm kind of like, oh, it's such a lovely film. Like, I don't know. I It's not it's been a... the same experience as About Time, admittedly. Possibly because this isn't as in-depth, and possibly even because this isn't a film that I love as much. Like, yeah. not one. I think it was something that Lara suggested, actually. It's not one that I would have instantly thought, Let's do movie by minute on it. She said it. Well, that's I, exactly what I, I thought. Like, Sorry, I'll do day interrupt. by day. I don't think I could do it minute by minute. I think this day by day format is the mm-hmm. best way to do it. Because frankly, it's not a film for that audience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I was going to say was that that's exactly what I thought when you like said to me about a podcast about about time. I thought, well, okay, fair enough. If if that's a film you really like, but are you really going to find like? 40 minutes worth of content in two minutes of of the film and you you clearly did um but i feel like it's maybe slightly a harder task in this film not so much in the fact that there's not much going on because it there actually is a lot going on and that actually leads me onto one of my kind of main criticisms which i'll get into in a minute but more so in the fact that there's not as many layers to unpack like you Mm. you kind of just like talk about what happens and and your thoughts on it um but yeah to to tell you sort of my main criticism i think it's it's got too many characters and yes. it felt as i was watching it last night when it kind of all wrapped up a lot of the cuz most of the sort of people that you follow is sort of are in pairs you've got like all all these different pairs of yeah. people and when it started kind mm-hmm. of like all wrapping up when I was watching it last night, it felt like a lot of those story arcs were kind of very quickly resolved. And there were only a few that kind of got focused on in the end. Um, 
uh, I guess I think the Hugh Grant Prime Minister one was probably the main one, and then maybe uh, Thomas Brady Sangster and his little um, love interest. They were probably the main ones that kind of got the limelight in the end, and then kind of the other ones got like shifted to the side and kind yeah, of tied which, up. Tied with up the really discussion quickly. we were having before recording about some of the stories that were cut out, yeah, you can kind of understand why stories had to be cut out. Oh yeah, just been so confusing and convoluted. There were there were two extra stories that were cut out that we'll do a whole hopefully a mini episode or touch on nearer the points where they would actually tie in um, I almost, so I'm just, oh sorry karen i almost feel like i was thinking this like as i was watching it last night i wonder whether it would have worked better as like an anthology series like can you imagine like watching it i don't know every week in the lead up to christmas and each episode follows a different like pair but you or, see like no, their slight ties in with each other but not yeah, enough but then, yeah but then maybe the last episode could like bring them all together um, but all yes, the leader. I'd quite or, like that. I f- I almost feel like because then you could then you've got more time to like invest in the characters. Well, a, a little bit, um, a little bit like Skins. Yeah, yeah. Where each yeah. episode is you see other people, but it's character centric, and then at the yeah. end, it's kind of everyone's stories get tied up. Yeah, in one bit. Yeah, mm. I think I think like yeah. If if Netflix did a reboot of Love Actually, because mm. heck, uh, there's that. American company that have made a four weddings and a funeral TV series. I saw that. Oh, yeah, and, I like, yeah. and I watched the trailer. There are no weddings or funerals in the trailer. <laughs> um, so I haven't watched any of that. I'll I'll get some free trial for whatever thing it's on at some point and give it a watch. But yeah, I maybe we come should... out of it going, that's the charm. I kind of what were you gonna say, Callum? Maybe we should pitch the Love Actually uh <laughs> TV series to, to Richard Curtis. Anyway, let's talk about these specific scenes because uh, yes. it's getting late. <laughs> that was a very long um, introduction. Yeah, so we we open with a little shot of Bill Nye singing uh, "Christmas Is All Around." Sam's watching it, and he decides that he's going to become a drummer. Do we really think that Sam managed to master that much drumming in like uh, ten days? I'm going to go with a yes because some people have hidden talents. Yeah, I guess we'll be we'll be nice. But it is literally 10 days <laughs> before the performance. Well, right, I'm sorry. You never know what you can learn in 10 days. I mean, I learnt, I pretty much learned piano in like 10 days. So Fair dues, indeed. Yeah, I... like I learnt, I learnt the basics. That's, that's cool. I'm just trying to find where I am on my notes because my transcript has gone too far. Well... Here we go. Uh, one of the girls in the video is Claire, who works in Richard Curtis's office. Uh, girls in the video for Christmas is all around. Nice. <laughs> oh. I couldn't figure out which one. It was a brief com- commentary. It's a good song. I, well, it's, it's a bad song, but it's a good bad song. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. And I suppose you know that's kind of what they, they were taking the piss out of. Like, oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? It's, yeah, that, yeah, uh, we'll cut stuff if we. Taking the urine out of. You can bleep it. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, that's what they were kind of like taking the mick out of is like chart pop songs that like some people hate, but are so catchy that they just like get stuck in your head. And... I'm thinking, I'm no, I'm like the, the the people hate and are clearly like money grabs or in in or celebrities that just don't understand. For example, let's talk about Imagine over lockdown. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a very similar sort of thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I was gonna say that like, or all of these celebrities are like, eh, I guess I'll release a Christmas album. Like, did we need you? I don't know. I mean, I know Dolly Parton is love Dolly Parton, but like, I just feel like you know everyone has to release a Christmas album. Everyone has to kind of cash in, and it's not nothing new. And yeah. and we're here yeah. to announce the Christmas actually Christmas album. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, all, all, all pod. Oh, I'd love that. All hosted guests oh, again. I'm Carol's. in. I'm in. I'm in. Imagine. That's it. Imagine. Ha. Good ha. joke, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. It, it's a good. It's it's a song that does get stuck in your head. Lara and I sang it in our school Christmas concert last year. Did you sing that version, or did you that sing version? The we oh. sang the Christmas version. Uh. I. In the teaser trailer for this show, it's the background music, but also I'll, I'll send you a video sometime. Nice. I, I wanted to do the dancing, but I was so scared <laughs> that I'd whack Lara in the face that I didn't. I kind of just stood there. Awkwardly. Imagine you had, you'd had all the backup dances as well. Oh, well, it was going to be the entire choir backing me. And then the music teacher said, actually, they didn't have enough time to rehearse. Lara, can you do it on your own? I'm assuming not in the same outfits, though. No, no, no. <laughs> They wouldn't agree to that when I asked. No, probably no. no I, should, I, should, I didn't ask. <laughs> I'm sure that's clear, but I have to specify. I didn't. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, we get to see some of the, the Daniel and Sam story. And yeah. Sam has a plan. He has oh a plan. God. And let me take this opportunity to say that Sam and Liam Neeson's character, I can't remember his name. Daniel. Are my, Daniel uh, are my favorite pairing of the yes. film. Oh my god, yeah. what a supportive dad and what an what? adorable little son, although apparently he's like 13 in the, like in real life in this movie, so that's a little bit strange. But <laughs> He's 30 now and has aged about five years. Right, exactly. Literally. I was like, what, he's, oh, what, what a precocious little kid. No, no, he's probably like your age right now. You know? <laughs> You're, I mean, your age in this movie. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just, they're just my favorite they've got such good like father and son chemistry in the film uh and i think they're the characters that i was most invested in um in the whole film uh yeah and yeah i'm just glad we got to got to talk about them because this this uh scene revolves quite uh highly around them because it's quite a pivotal Mm -hmm. moment for Sam. sam decides to be a drummer which, considering yeah. how close this is to the Christmas concert, it's a little unrealistic as to how good he gets, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's Christmas, cr- we can accept it. <laughs> it's Christmas magic. Uh, yeah. One thing I did is I have... Um, I'll send it to you at some point. I edited this story into its own separate short film outside of the rest of the film. Oh. And it, it flows better. Really? Without, yes, because... Without all the time codes, uh, with like the title cards and the codes and everything, it doesn't feel like Daniel's moving on too early in the fact that he ends up with Claudia Schiffer five weeks after his wife's funeral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And like, we don't know how long it took him to rehearse. It flows quite well. I've, I've added in one of the deleted scenes um, of their story, and it kind of just, I think it works. I've, I've added some music over. I'm pretty chuffed with it. I'd... So how long is it now? It's about twenty-five minutes. Oh, see that, like the length of the TV episode, An episode, episode one uh, of the Love Actually yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should just make the show. I'll, yeah, I'll just edit. out. Yeah, just edit it and just but like make it out of. Definitely, some of the stories do not have twenty-five minutes. For no. example, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. Uh, yes. Oh, I love them. 
I, I love them. They were who I was thinking of. I just, I just think that that scene is so hilarious. Like they're just doing what they're doing, and they're just like, "Oh, how are you? How's the weather? How's the, you know, love it." I, I can't believe I forgot that it's um, Stacy from Gavin and Stacy. Yes. Um, I don't another, know another British thing. Alice, yeah, I, I don't know if you've heard of Gavin and Stacy um, in the US. Um, you did a a, a very awesome, very <laughs> disastrous remake oh, of it, um, uh, as y- the US tends to do with a lot of British shows. But, also, but anyway. frankly, as an American, you would not like Gavin and Stacy. Yeah, you need yeah. so much. It's well, very much just the this is a relatable British and Welsh family, and that's the whole joke. Yeah, oh. it sounds it sounds a lot worse than it is, but it's it's one of if the you, top comedy shows. If you did, everyone knows. Yeah, character like everyone. If you did find it funny, you'd find it funny for the wrong reasons, or yeah. not for the wrong reason, but for different reasons. Like it's like um, stuff you have, you have to kind of have that knowledge. Like when I watch Mock the Week, and it's like a yeah. lot of it. Like, I don't know what your politics are, friends. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, nor do we. I think right, you'd, right, find, yeah. you'd find humor in like Bryn or Pam, as the two characters from Admittedly, uh, you won't know who I mean, but who, as, like, caricatures as to, oh, these are funny, wacky people. But actually, mm-hmm. here in Britain, everyone knows a Bryn. Everyone definitely knows a Pam. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's just... It's, it's I feel weird. like I feel like Nessa was, would probably be the most... Over-the-top character. No, the mo- I, I'd say the most transferable character, because she's just... Yes. Like, yeah. her, the, the humour to do with her doesn't really kind of tie into the fact that she's Welsh. It's just no, she of... could they they wouldn't and I'm glad they didn't. They could easily do a like American spin off. Yeah. But let's be honest, if they did an American spin off it'd be Smithy because James Corden's only in America. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean if you don't know Alice, Gavin and Stacey is written by and starring James Corden. Yeah. Well I didn't know he wrote it, but I know it's starring, yeah. Well he, he, he co wrote it. Co wrote it, yeah. But oh. she wouldn't know who she wouldn't know who Ruth Jones is. No. <laughs> Probably not. Um, um, so, uh, Love Actually. Yeah. Um, so the drumming. Um, other. So he says girls love musicians, don't they? Danny says, uh-huh. Even the weird ones get girlfriends. That's right. Meatloaf definitely got laid at least once. For goodness sake, Ringo Starr married a Bond girl. And um, apparently there were loads of other lines that had to be cut for legal reasons. Cut. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know what those lines are. Maybe they're in the version of the script that's online. I haven't had a chance to read the original script yet. Um, yes. Can I just say, just this whole conversation, when I was watching it last night, it was at this exact moment that I wrote down the note when I was making notes on my phone. It was this exact scene when I wrote down um, in my phone, there's posh people, and then there's Richard Curtis characters. Because the fact... No. The the some of the words that this ten year old is saying, um, are, yes. I can't. I, I'd have to rewatch the clip, but like, oh god, he's. It's not like they're like really really posh. It's more this kind of like posh imitation of a relatable character, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that but was it the question it, that I had was it doesn't feel over the top either. I don't think. I think no, it's it like is this how people like. This. Like, well, that's yeah, what I want to know. Is it, okay. there's, there's one in every classroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a sort of endearing poshness um, mm. rather than a sort of annoying poshness. 
Um, which we we, which, we have more annoying poshness than endearing. Yeah, I'd say four, we- <laughs> four weddings and a hum- uh, four weddings and a funeral. Hugh Grant is annoying poshness. Uh, Love actually, Hugh Grant is like endearing poshness. Would yeah. you say? I beg to differ on weddings, but yes, but also four weddings. I didn't like the. Sorry, I had to watch it about three or four times before oh my God, something clicked, and it was just really funny. I, I have I, no I, idea what it was, and I know you'll never sit through three like two or three more times the only reason i'd sit through it again is if you did a podcast and wanted me on um which i feel like is just like me that's just like ammunition for you now you're just gonna do it well it could just be a very short five episode thing wedding 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 or you could you could go even further and have me literally be the co-host well, that don't spoil it that there's four weddings and a funeral i've never seen it (laughs) that's literally the title (laughs) I also like how in the UK it, everyone calls it four weddings. No one ever says yeah. the funeral. Everyone's oh. like, oh, four weddings. <laughs> but um, also, this is how like vague and like unpleasant my memory of watching the film is. I literally cannot remember each individual wedding and the singular funeral that happens within the film. Literally all oh. I remember is just Hugh Grant just mumbling for two hours. There's a lot of moments that aren't that memorable. I, I can acknowledge that. I think I might I might slightly write this down as an idea because it could be quite fun to do something like that. But yeah. I also don't you... want Richard to think that I'm just doing all of his stuff because I kind of am. I've I mean, got, we've got this, we've got Vicar of Dibley, I've got you're, Bernard. You're kind of on a roll with it now. Like I feel like you should just go with it. I might be the Richard Curtis guy. Yeah. yeah. But we see. A, I'm going to just slide straight into the next scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so very briefly before the Christmas party, there's a shot of Laura Linney in the house. Um, and the only reason that was there and still in the film was that Laura Linney bet Richard Curtis £100 that that shot of her would be cut out. So he just decided to keep it in for that reason. Uh, oh, wow. So he gets an extra £100. <laughs> uh, so we, we we see the Christmas party um, mm-hmm. and things are not good. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. So... The devil's secretary. I was part of me. <laughs> I had to look and be like, "Wait a second! Is, did this take place during Halloween? No, that's too far." It's it's, yeah, it, it, it's a step too far, isn't it? It's a sort of yeah. Do you think the devil horns are too much? Mm, no, I think they perfectly illustrate that, that it's just not right. It's so over the top, but it still kind of works. Topic of devil, actually. I rewatched Bedazzled last night. Uh, obviously, good film. There are full lines from our school show Disco Inferno that are taken straight out of Bedazzled. There's a complete scene which is word for word the same in Bedazzled. Really? Yeah, like the first scene where she's introducing herself and offering her business card and everything. Like that's exactly the lines that you said in the, in no, the school show. No, I need to watch this. Mm-hmm. I was I was going to send you a screen recording, but I watched it on Amazon Prime and they don't allow that screen recordings but, oh. yeah if you get to rewatch bedazzled there are full moments so i did a bit of research and turns out um both bedazzled and disco inferno are loosely based on the same text from the 1600s uh and so that's where a lot of the story is kind of similar the same thing about the small print about doing one selfless act undoes the whole curse oh bloody hell yeah, you, you kind of. I was kind of watching it, and I was like, "Oh no, our school shows a rip off." 
Um, and on a different note, but Dazzled is not as good a film as I remember it being. It's enjoyable, but it was not as good as for some reason I'd remembered it being. Yeah, send me like a trailer or something, or just send. I, I'm not going to know how to spell it, so just send it to me, and I'm going to watch it. Fair dues. Have you seen Bedazzled at some point? Nope. Okay. It's a yeah. It's. I mean, it's not for him to get a career in music at this point. It's for him to like meet the dream girl. But for the most part, it's the same. The one thing I I was going to say about this scene, which kind of seems a bit of a redundant thing to say, is that I don't have much to say about it because. Yeah. It feels like one of the plot lines that just kind of gets forgotten about. Like, really? I don't know. I always remember that scene with Emma Thompson and the Joni Mitchell scene. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was just focusing too much on Liam Neeson. That's one of the big stories for me. Do you not, you know, the whole thing with, you know, the whole bit with the Joni Mitchell CD and. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that comes on. That comes like not quite yet, does it? Yeah, but that's as a result of this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it kind of, I feel like, passed me by when I was watching it, how significant that scene was, because, like, I think I think part of the problem is you you kind of just kind of get get comfy in a scene, and then it switches to the next scene, and you've yeah. kind of not got, not got a chance to, like, sort of uh, process what just happened. Um, I mean, maybe I'm just slow. Uh, I was watching this at, like, 10 o'clock at night, Hmm. What do you think um, of art of Christmas party at an art gallery? Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I mean, but uh, they they seem to be generally all having a a good time. I mean, it works. It looks like yeah, I like it. If, 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 if the pictures were different, <laughs> but oh I mean, yeah, it, the, yeah. The, the, con- the the concept actually and the execution works quite well. And I think, oh yeah, it'd be good good fun to have a party in an art gallery like that. Like it looks good, but the concept. Like the the fact that they actually came up with that, and they were like before they knew what the pictures were, they were like, "Let's have a party at the art gallery." Yeah, yeah. like mm. it's just it's not the first place you think of, really. No, for for a party, but I, I like it. It's probably very expensive as well because they're probably <laughs> worth it. But it'd be great tie into about time if it was just all the Kate Moss pictures. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, about time was literally ten years after this. Yeah. Um, we we move on to the prime minister. Um, ah, yes. He sits down to watch Parkinson. I mean, were you familiar with Parkinson as to know who it was who was interviewing it? Nope. Oh, I don't think so. Hold on. I'm like, He's, kinda... He was a very famous sort of presenter and. Yeah, despite I never watched him, as soon as he comes up, it's like, I know who that is. <laughs> he's he's oh, probably. No. If you, I guess if you were to compare him to, to um, a US modern day equivalent, he'd be a, you know. Jimmy Fallon or James Corden. And um, I said James Corden. Yeah. He was the yeah. you know, he was the one who was on for years. Like he reminds me of like like, like, a, like a Charlie Rose or like a I don't know sixty minutes. I don't know if you said that. There was but... the, there's a guy who I've heard mentioned so many American who he was on for years. The one could it be the one the one that um inspired the line in The Shining? Here's Johnny. Um, it could it, be Johnny Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Carson. Yeah. Or that, yeah. that, that, that sort of yeah, that sort of style of long running, and I I do like this interview. It's a very fun. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's. I think I think it's it's quite deliberate that they've uh, done an interview with like Parkinson, Michael Parkinson, out of all the sort of talk show um, interviewers that they could have picked because he's known for being very sort of 
professional and just yeah. kind of like wanting to to uh, oh, stick okay. to the script. Um, yeah, although I mean, you know, he... Michael Parkinson did ad lib a line in this scene. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. At the, well, is it, it is, was... it, is it the line at the end? Yes, it's um, that's never going to be number one or something. Yeah, uh, it was discussed on the commentary, and they said they think he improvised it, but they weren't certain. <laughs> it, but, it does sound like a line that would be improvised. But I think you need it to when you've got someone like Parkinson. They only they know their own persona and what they'd say. Yeah, and also like. Yeah, he needs to react how he would react if, like, that was a real guest on the it's show. It's quite good to see the evolution. Had no prior warning of what they were. Uh, the evolution of Billy Mac's success, as well. Yeah. Like, he starts with Radio Watford, he moves on to Anton Deck, and then he comes to like Parkinson. I had never yeah, thought about it, it like he, this, but he does actually go up. Yeah, in terms of the sort of prestige of the shows that he's on, um, starting off with like local radio, and then. Uh, like a Ant and Deck sort of uh, chat show aimed more towards kids, and then I think Parkinson was probably regarded at this time as like the talk show to be on. Yeah, um, it's like, like he probably would... like it's probably like what Graham Norton would be now. Yeah, Graham Norton's Graham Norton's less Graham Norton's less serious than Parkinson. Yeah, but like, like Billy, you know, Billy Max, the kind of character who wouldn't be out of place on Graham Norton. No, but I mean in terms of how yeah, success, uh, yeah, the success of of this chat show. Um, like when you think of a, a UK chat show nowadays, that's probably we don't one we of don't them. have a serious chat show, do we? Not particularly. We've got like Jonathan Ross, but Ray again, Martin, they do like Alan Carr. And... Yeah. They're all just comedians. We don't really yeah. have, see, which I don't think you need. I don't want a serious chat show. I want yeah, exactly. Um, um, so we we bounce back to the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. After this, um, and oh, hang on, I was just for some reason I just decided that I want to read what's on Hugh Grant's newspaper. Hang on, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Cancer of corruption spreads throughout the country, uh, and it looks oh, yeah. like that. I can't tell if that's a picture of Hugh Grant in the paper. I think it might be. Okay. Oh, really? I'm not sure. There's someone's face there. It could be someone else. Or I oh, know. I don't think it's him actually. From a distance. I don't know whether they'd make a prop newspaper or just use an actual newspaper. I don't know. I think they'd probably make a prop one. Yeah, because they, Well, especially because he's the Prime Minister, so he'd be in the news a lot. Um, so they'd want it to tie into the world of the film. Mm. Uh, like, it'd be awkward if he had a, a a newspaper that, like, had a picture of the actual Prime Minister at the time. Tony on Blair. The front. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they probably made a, a, a fake one. Yeah, um, I did that. I did that research just to double check he was in power. Just in, yeah. But then I realized I don't know enough about Tony Blair to know whether any of him was based on him. So that fact is honestly, he, well, I yeah, I was I was going to say this was another one of of, of my um, notes that I wrote down. Um, I said that like there's a very interesting conversation to be had, and I'd argue maybe a whole whole podcast episode to be had on debating whether. Um, uh, Hugh Grant's prime minister is is Tory or or Labour. Um, I think I which th- probably means nothing to you, Alice. Um, the two briefly, words that I know, yeah. <laughs> briefly, I briefly I'd say Labour, but yeah, I I'd don't like, know enough about politics to have an yeah, actual argument behind that. I'd I'd hope Labour. Um, <laughs> he seems nice, 
that again, um, that's just and I can't Grant. find it now. But I said in a previous episode that Tony Blair did reference Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister in one of his speeches. Oh, really? He made some sort of references to. I know you will want to be want me to be like Hugh Grant from Love well, Actually. Well, yeah, like... but, but I mean that just speaks to how sort of how much of a cultural impact Love Actually has had now because like. I see a lot of people like whenever the prime minister, which seems to be every other day now, has like buggered something up. <laughs> like the, people seem to say, "Oh, this wouldn't happen if we had Hugh Grant as prime minister." You know, yes. from, from Love Actually, people like people say that, um, and so it, it just speaks to to the impact that the film had and how iconic those scenes are. Um, which actually brings me on to another point, which I know I should be speaking about this scene specifically, but um, this is just another point about the film in general. I think it's all these iconic scenes that kind of have made Love Actually the most well-known of all Richard Curtis's films, even though, in my opinion, it's not quite as strong as About Time. I just think it's got more sort of memorable, iconic moments than about time um yeah that kind of get referenced in in everyday like culture now um like, i wish you know, the, 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 the... could swap their successes yeah uh, yeah i know what you mean like the the um scene with andrew lincoln holding up the the cardboard things of writing like that's been parodied so many times so you know and you but you'd never see someone parodying Domino Gleason stepping into a cupboard. Um so it just kind of it shows how much more of a success that was and how much more about time kind of went under the radar. Which I do think is a shame. But you know, it's it that's not me saying it's it's a uh the a love actually is a bad film because I didn't enjoy it and I think if it was closer to Christmas I'd enjoy it even more. Um but it's just kind of interesting to see that there's those specific scenes that just seem to kind of have more of a cultural impact and stick kind of last longer um in uh how sort of relevant they are than than like the whole of about time yeah fyi to the listeners whilst it's very close to christmas for them this is just past uh, yeah. october for us yeah so uh which i mean some would argue is is uh the lead up to christmas i mean my mum works in a department store and they've already started getting christmas trees in from um, from the first of november i will i start my slow slide into christmas films i do yeah i'd um, say that's the I, same I, with don't, me. I don't hop straight in with things like love actually i yeah. start i start every year with lethal weapon which has a hint of Christmas in it. And then I kind yeah. of slide into Gremlins and slide into the slide. <laughs> I have I have a Christmas movie plan. You know, I know yeah. people don't do this, but I have like proper plan. And then eventually we get to stuff like Nativity. And I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think November, <laughs> I think November, if like, if there was a Christmas film on TV that I liked, I wouldn't turn it off, mm. but I wouldn't go out my way to watch Christmas films in November. But then when it gets to December, I'd be like, Pre- like planning like christmas movie nights oh, yeah from first yeah, like of december it feels acceptable oh yeah I feel, like, I feel like you're cheating through most of november yeah i think about halfway through november is when like the christmas songs start playing on the radio in the shop i think i think after like bonfire night in yes in november night. yeah yeah oh my gosh no i have I'm to have it be, I, I have to have it be thanksgiving first 
And oh, then see, we, that's true. Yes, yeah. because we don't have that. Oh, um, you don't have that. You don't it, even. It's bon- bonfire nights before Thanksgiving, is it? Or- what holiday is, is that? A holiday? What holiday do you have in November? I mean, it's not really a holiday. It's just, like you it's don't just, get like a day off. Celebrating a man who tried to destroy Parliament and celebrating his execution by 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 um, setting fires, holding, uh, setting off fireworks. Although I feel like now we have have Columbus Day. You have a much better holiday. (laughs) I feel like nowadays more people would be celebrating his attempt to blow up Parliament rather than him not succeeding, Mm. given the state Parliament's in at the moment. Anyway, why do I? I keep like you keep going political. Uh, Anyway. Christmas, love actually. Christmas. You're Yay. instantly dating. You're instantly dating our show, Callum. For people, yeah. Oh my next gosh. No, I, 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 I hope I'm kidding. Government will still be messed up next that's year. That's it. That's it. We're gonna have a new podcast. Two minutes about Britain, maybe five minutes about Britain, maybe an hour about Britain. I don't know. Yeah, you're you're gonna need longer than two minutes. <laughs> two people who know diddly squat about politics talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, but I you probably know a lot more that. than I do. I should know. Should I just I say a load of buzzwords that just date this show really buzzwords. badly? <laughs> hit, us, hit us with five buzzwords, Callum. Uh, Boris Johnson, coronavirus. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, Cummings. Cummings. Dominic Cummings. Dominic Cummings. Or just Cummings, sure. Um, uh, what was the castle? What was the castle? Oh, I don't know what the f- Castle was. Um, oh yeah, Alice. Do you know about Dominic Cummings? We'll go briefly. She doesn't Domin- know about Dominic. Dominic who? Okay, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Do- Do- Dominic Cummings was like a guy who was in who was like big in in, in politics. I'm not entirely sure what his role is because so, yeah, basically. Politics. So yeah, he's a politician, and okay. um, he was very sort of big in like uh, enforcing and creating all the restrictions. Um, like regarding lockdown because of COVID and then so he told us all these restrictions and all these things we weren't allowed to do and then he was uncovered to have driven I don't know how many miles like like driven halfway across the country to some fucking castle uh yeah so love actually yeah know, let's I'm get like, back to love actually because like is, I told we don't have to record new episodes for two minutes about Britain. We're just going to take, like, little Your snippets. snippets. <laughs> All the segues from this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every segue. But I wanted to talk about the influence that this movie has had, because I know in the beginning we were talking about kind of, so, sort of did we like this movie, not like, that you know, that the whole thing. But at the end of the day, like, it has spawned these kind of wannabe anthology movies and so we get the crappy, like, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, I think it was called. New Year's, New Year's Eve, I think it yeah, was called. Yeah, they all like, ended into one. Mother's Day was the other one. They've all... Mother's Day, yeah. Uh, these, like, yeah, much worse movies, you know? And so it's like, yeah, yeah. as much as we can say about Love Actually, like, that yeah, is, yeah. like, the top, you know, of anthology. Or at least, you know, around a holiday, I guess. I'm sure there's other anthology movies. Yeah, yeah. What, what, by the way, what is the holiday like? Because I've actually heard good things about that one. Oh, I love it. Oh, that is a classic. Yeah, that's a very sweet. I've never seen it, but it's, it's really. Oh my gosh! It always seems to be in box sets with it. You no, know, it, it has a weird level of annoyance with me because I see it in box sets in like 
charity shops or thrift stores mm-hmm. along with Richard Curtis films. And it's I never get why you have so many films from like one director or one writer and then just throw in one that they're not involved in. So oh. that's a weird level of annoyance for it, for being like, it's Notting Hill, Love Actually, Bridget Jones and The Holiday. Why? Like oh, It's probably just like a rom-com book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, one of those that they've done that with like Hugh Grant movies before, where it's been like load of like three films starring Hugh Grant and then one film not starring Hugh Grant, and it's like oh yeah. come on. Mostly yeah. also because if I bought the box set, like I'd like to organize it by something in an alphabetical shelf. Yeah. So if if they were all films with Hugh Grant, I could put it under G for Grant. If it was all films for Richard Curtis, I could put it under C. But the fact that they just throw in the holiday in the mix, what are you doing? Yeah. So I feel that, like that's I'm... why I never seen and haven't had any interest in the holiday but i keep hearing it mentioned more oh, that, that vendetta yeah. against it yeah okay so so uh, i'm party. gonna jump to well i was just gonna say we uh sarah and carl dance together at the party mm-hmm. and mia is flirting with harry that's kind of all that needs to be said i think there's so just a lot of just a lot of sexual tension going on really yeah this um, film as compared to like about time I swear every episode I'm like, oh no, there's a sex thing. Like it's just Well, you know, just, I'm Luke, like, oh. Luke, when you're delving into rom coms, you've gotta just face it, you know? Yeah. Uh at least I'm not doing this minute by minute, otherwise we'd have some very awkward episodes. Yeah. Like Yeah. Um, Imagine having to talk about like Martin Freeman and Joanna yeah. Pages. We've we've like, we've weirdly thought. talked about them quite a lot but i think we've said on this show everything that can be said about them because all their scenes i mean go about the yeah same way. what is cut out of the of your cut because i know like their scene was cut out of it was just tv versions or i've never watched it as a tv version but probably oh, yeah um what? both love actually and about time i keep waiting for them to come on tv so i can watch the tv about show. time was on tv recently was it was yeah it Sky, it was on... No, I think it was on like Channel Five. Maybe? Oh, that's annoying because I and keep... I and I I nearly posted about it, but then I just thought, oh, you'll have posted about it like in the nah. Facebook group. I keep I um, keep try- I keep being on my on the lookout for it, and I keep missing it. It's coming uh, back on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Netflix now. Is I it? Checked today. I looked it... today, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah so it it comes it came on. So it's it's come back on Netflix the week we finished two minutes about. Today. I know. And it came I off bet... Netflix the week we started recording two minutes. I bet the now. same thing will happen with Love Actually. Nope. Probably, yeah. Has but Love Actually, I, I want ever, to, I has want Love actually to... ever ever been on UK Netflix? I'm not sure, probably. Um, with About Time, though, I really want to catch it on TV, like the pre-Watershed, because I know it line for line. Mm-hmm. I want to know and spot what bits are cut. I, I don't I think, I don't think there'd with... be much cut. No, there's a few lines. It happened with um, Les Mis. When they add that around Christmas, Master of the House. When they over on Christmas, Master of the House being a very, the rest of the film's kind of fine, but Master of the House has got like not terrible swearing, but bits of swearing in it and bits of sex references. That when it's a song and they have to cut stuff out, it's very obvious. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just jumping ahead and bouncing about. It was so funny. Um, but I, with about time, there's enough like f words here and there that are dotted about that I kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of yeah. want to see it on TV or like. The scene in the Kate Moss gallery, <laughs> like, yeah. How do they cut that? But I've, I, I, one point a couple of years ago, I remember seeing about time, like pre watershed on TV. So I know it, I know it has been edited for TV. I just haven't had the chance mm-hmm. to, to watch it. So if do any think listeners, it's, it's, it's funny. Like 
that you have those versions that are like specifically made for pre-watershed like tv viewing do you think like yeah. uh do you think they get like the director to like oversee editing it like i mean obviously um he's... some because quite often they film alternate versions of takes oh uh, yeah that makes sense or there are different lines uh there's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a very funny uh you can go down a rabbit hole on youtube of tv edits of films um I, my I favorite saw... my favorite one is next on a plane um <laughs> So, for example, Samuel L. Jackson in the TV edit of Snakes on a Plane is is shouting, I've had it with these monkey flipping snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Which I is, love uh, it. I don't know if, I, if you've seen Snakes on a Plane, Callum, but that is not what he says at all. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's not what he said. The only, <laughs> the only example I can think of is I was watching um, Outnumbered, which is another British yes. sitcom you've probably not it's heard so of, Alice. Um, I love it. And yeah. it was literally like a tiny little thing, but it was the first time I'd kind of like noticed it before. Um, and uh, the mum uh, just at some point just says like, oh, sh-, and they replaced it with, oh, shoot. But like it was dubbed like really badly and it was just like really obvious. Um, so it was quite funny. Yeah, well, I, it was I just, never it was get just funny because some... I'd never noticed it before. With some films and TV series, I never get why if you're going to have to cut it in America, it makes sense cable difference with that but with us when it's just the nine o'clock line if you're gonna have to cut it and make the film considerably different just air it after nine o'clock yeah like it's so i I love the i won't talk too much about it but i love the fact that there's a nine o'clock watershed just that you can go instantly from like family friendly tv to just yeah swearing and sex and violence it's so funny that you'll just be like watching one thing i think it's still like i think it's still I mean, I'm trying to remember back to my media studies GCSE. I think it still has to be a sort of slow progression. Like you can't go from like I, I think don't know, so, yeah. Peppa Pig to like instant like full frontal nudity. Um No, I think a couple of things manage to get on just at nine o'clock for the most oh, part. Really? And some some things they're very clever. Like say there's a film which has like full frontal nudity. But that's the only bad thing about it, and the nudity takes place halfway into the film. Yeah, then yeah. they'll stop at the film before nine o'clock, uh, but the nudity yeah. happens after nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's quite anyway. Love actually. We've then got uh, Sarah and Carl dance together for the first time. Adorable. It's nice and sweet, but also I'm going to be honest here. I don't care about Sarah and Carl. <laughs> yeah, like literally, I just I don't care about a story because like you only find out what happens between her and her brother and you don't really see what happens between her and carl so it was kind of like pointless all that build up but we, we also then... just you've got the build up but we also don't know anything else about the characters except that they like each other like tell me one yeah, I mean... fact about carl but it's just kind of like why i don't know i'm sure richard if he is listening has got far enough into the film to kind of understand that we're not being horrible. We we like this movie. But out of all of the stories, these are the people I care least about. Yeah, I really just don't care about Sarah and Carl. Like, who gives a damn? Like, they almost slept together. They didn't. So, yeah, that's it. That's all we see. And because their first dance together to them first sleeping together is so close, it doesn't work for me at all. It might just be my own views and sets and morals, and I can acknowledge that. But also, it kind of, to me, the sex straight away takes the love part out of it a bit. 
it feels like they're just about to be like a one night stand. Yeah, and like obviously because like people would assume that they did that because they like each other so much. But like even if I like someone so much, I wouldn't just sleep with them like that. Like come on, you got to give it some time to like get to know them. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's one of the it's one of the character arcs that I just like forget about. Um, I mean, it's 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 nice to have a one dimensional male character. For he's it's yeah. he's he's weird and quirky and and a bit bumbling like every other male Richard Curtis character. Um, okay, uh, let's go slightly more even. Other than she has a brother, what about Sarah? <laughs> See, I couldn't have even told you she had a brother. <laughs> right. Like... It's not like that's an important part of their story whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Maybe um... poor self-esteem. Uh, she feel. I, I think if we unlike a lot of a... these, if their stories had a full-length story, yeah, 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 like a full film, you'd probably grow to like them. I could imagine Laura Lenny being a little bit Bridget Jones. Like Sarah yeah. being quite a Bridget Jones type, but we don't see enough of her to get that. Um, yeah. On on the connection to Bridget Jones, actually, Helen Fielding, who wrote Bridget Jones, uh, the flat of Sarah in this scene is based on Helen Fielding's flat. Huh. Oh, wow, really? She was a good friend of Richard Curtis, and uh, he just liked how her flat was based, so he based this set on her flat. Oh, fair enough. Uh, Helen Fielding is such a good friend of Richard Curtis, in fact, that... Um, uh, I can't remember who, but one of the characters in Notting Hill is based on her. Apparently, test audiences wanted Sarah and Carl to get together so much that yeah. they insisted on there being an extra scene wherein everything is revealed to be okay. But Richard Curtis <laughs> didn't want that, so he added the extra scene revealing that everything wasn't okay instead. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. But um, it's, for... it's not often Richard Curtis goes for the like depressing ending. Hmm. But for well, one part I do like about love actually is that it's not that everyone ends up happy. You get the same yeah. thing with Alan yeah, Rickman and Emma Thompson. It's yeah, that's, nice. I think that's quite, and especially with it, with the fact that it's a Richard Curtis film because Richard Curtis films are so known for being kind of pretty happy. light yeah. and happy. It's quite nice with with the fact that this film has so many um, character arcs because you you literally have like multiple endings and so he can go for that like stereotypical happy ending with some of them but then he can go for a more sort of like open-ended um like a bit more downbeat ending for the others yeah um definitely uh, what one one other point though about this story is that a couple of years ago richard curtis did a love actually reunion for red nose day oh yeah i've seen yeah. that um there you, was... should do, you should do a bonus episode on that. We were thinking that because it's Red Nose Day next year, so I was thinking we could put it uh, behind, yeah. like we could put it behind a small payroll paywall, maybe like donate a pound to Comet Relief charity, and, yeah, yeah. and get a, this is the episode. I don't know if we have any listeners, it'd be really sad to do that and have no one pay. Oh, I'd like, pay a pound. There we go. <laughs> it's worthwhile now. Pound. There you yeah. go. Um, but yeah, we think something like that. But the interesting thing about that is in the American Love Actually, Love Actually Red Nose Day thing. You get to see what happens to Sarah. In the British one, you don't. I have no what? idea what happens in her story. I can't find it anywhere. So it's just a different edit, or they've just—it's just an added part in the American version for some reason. That's mad. What the what? There I'll are a couple. <laughs> there are a couple of other. Would re- get the, you yeah, think the UK of, would get the extended edition? Well, like the color of Rowan Atkinson's badge is a slightly di- is is a different color in the American version <laughs> to the UK version. 
And it's like, I don't even understand why. So I've watched this thing that I've read this thing that shows the difference, but I can't find what happens to it. I think the, the one, the one takeaway from this scene is that she just needs to put her phone on silent. Yeah. Cause so she just they, keeps getting interrupted. They go upstairs for some hanky panky. And, yes. uh, and once the hanky panky is about to start, the phone rings. Yeah. That's what and, I was going to uh, say. Herbs, the hanky panky. Just, just put it on silent woman. Just you can. Yeah, she's got a very. Get on with it. She's got a Nokia phone. She's got a very thousands phone. But she's also got a very bad relationship. Well, a very unhealthy relationship with her brother. Yes. Like the fact that yeah, she has to say no. I'm not busy. The fact that she'll drop everything, which we, which the thing is, is we're supposed to, I think, see that and think, oh, isn't she nice that she cares about her brother more? But we don't. I don't think. I see it. I I see it more as to she's not being very nice to Carl. <laughs> I see well, it more I as mean, she's not. I understand it, but also her brother is in a place where there are people there to look after him. She's allowed to have her own life. Yeah. The thing is, I feel like I feel like it's just the kind of situation where, like, even if there, even if there was just like a one percent chance that, like, the people that are supposed to be looking after him don't know what's going on and that he's actually in like some sort of danger even if that was just like a one percent chance she'd still like rush over there yeah uh, because well, admittedly, she seems she's... like a a very sort of uh easily worried um sister which is probably as a result of her brother being the way he is well like as we kind of see when they try and get back to the rumpy pumpy uh, How many synonyms have you got for the word I, sex? I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the British ones. I, I'm out. Uh, what, what else is that there? Uh, I'm trying to think what I can think of now. Uh, no, just sex. Just, <laughs> I was going to make up some. Just having a good old. Sense, yeah. yeah, that's that's like it's like um when you were trying to think of uh different ways to say goodbye at the end of the two minutes about time episodes. You should now think of a different way to say sex in every episode. Of, but we're also uh, trying to be a clean show. <laughs> we're trying to keep it well, clean. On, but... I mean, I feel like Love Actually, you know, it's not the, it's not the cleanest PG film around. It's not. It's probably one of the only Christmas classics, aside from Die Hard, that isn't a family film. I mean, it is in terms of the themes. Mostly. Yeah, well, it, de- it depends how old your family is, I guess. Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah. But yeah, I think I, it does make sense when she goes for a brother, like goes to a brother, because she would feel bad the whole time and it would take away from the moment. Yeah, exactly. But I also dislike Carl for the fact that they don't get together afterwards. Like, or even, like, fact, spend, or even like think... spend the night, you know, like, like it's fine. Maybe you don't always get the hot guy at the office. Like, I guess it's kind of a, you know you don't just get someone because you want them like that's fair but i feel like it's just so unsatisfying the way that they kind of don't i don't don't go on a date don't spend the night together whatever because it's just like yeah okay it's just her brother like she really wanted him she really wanted carl and now she's just suddenly not ready and yes her brother matters a lot and that's understandable but it's just very unsatisfying to kind of throw everything away i think carl just kind of knows that if he does get into a relationship it's very quickly gonna be overshadowed by by her like care for her brother and the fact that she needs to be there all the time and it's just gonna mean that they end up having a very unhealthy 
relationship yeah. and so he's got he's got the foresight to see that starting a relationship would not be worth it for either of them even if if, if there was just one scene where he said i think you've got an unhealthy relationship with your brother i don't know whether we're going to be able to to handle a proper relationship if there was just one little scene or discussion where he explained himself then mm. that would be fine but at the moment it just seems like he, because we don't have anything nice about him that we know we just put the nastiness onto him instead <laughs> Like, exactly. if we knew he was a nice guy, if we had enough personality of him to go, oh, well, since Carl's like this, we know he did it for good reason. But we don't. We yeah. don't know anything about Carl. So, therefore, the only personality trait I've got for him is he's a horrible bloke. Or well, I think it would have been nice for, for for maybe her to be the sort of naive one and be, like, jumping into the relationship and him to sort of ground her and be like, no, like, think about this. This isn't going to work because you've got your brother to look after. We get this discussion between... Um, Harry and Karen uh, at home about um, about how the party went. Emma Thompson was wearing a fat suit throughout the whole film. Apparently, what? Oh wow! Apparently, she's a lot slimmer than than this. What, what was the reason for the fat suit? Um, probably because she's a mum of two, so they needed to make her look like a proper like British mum who doesn't have much time to go to the gym and shit. Her body looked too good. She'd rival Mia. I feel like Mia and Carl are basically the same. You know, not tall, but I was like tall, dark, and handsome. Like, like they were like kind of the same person. You know, they should have ended up yeah. together. That could have been interesting. Yeah, like just what, almost like a subtle background thing <laughs> or something. Like at the uh, at the end, like in the at the airport and everything. If you just saw like Mia and Carl like holding yeah hand in the background or something. Um, but yeah, incidentally, with Emma Thompson, uh, her feature film debut was a film written by Richard Curtis called The Tall Guy. Oh, nice. Which is a, it's a very different film, but it's very funny. It stars Jeff Goldblum and Rowan Atkinson and Emma Thompson. And it's, it's a good, it's a good bit of fun. I've also got another note about the tall guy later on, but we'll get to that momentarily. Also, like... I'll just take this note to say that, uh, Emma Thompson stars in one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. I still haven't uh, seen it, but I know what you're going to say. It's so good. I've got um, a day off tomorrow. A... I might watch it. Every uh, time it's... I decide I want to watch it, I'm already in a kind of down mental health state, yeah. but I'm like, it's not the show for... And I, so, I, I like that we still haven't said what it is. Yeah, so I was going to say, the show I'm referring to... Going. <laughs> the, the, um, the show I'm referring to is a BBC show from last year by Russell T. Davis, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you'll be familiar with as the guy who brought back Doctor Who. Um, and it was his show called Years and Years. And actually... There's a lot. Of, well, there's not really similarities, but um, Emma Thompson, uh, similar to Hugh Grant, plays a politician um, in Years and Years. Uh, she's not the prime. Uh, no, she does get to be the prime minister. Sorry, that's kind of a spoiler. Not really. Um, I uh, assumed the whole time um, that she was the prime minister. Yeah, uh, she starts off as not the prime minister, but then very quickly, because because every episode jumps, I think, ten years into the future. And oh, so really? it's like That's cool. following this family over maybe not ten years. Now it it jumps it jumps like five or ten years in the first episode, and then every episode like one year, I think. Uh I can't mm. remember. I need I want to watch it again. Um I will it's, watch it again. It's, again it's, it. I do a podcast about that. Like honestly. <laughs> have have the episodes come out like every year to be in line with 
with how the, oh, the format could be that could be fun. I think you should write that down. That that would be so like there I is mean, a there is a very small TV uh, community within the MXM community. I think. Yeah, but well, like, Alice, you host one of them, don't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What what's happening with that, by the way? I would like to know. Yeah, I mean. I know there was some issues of, with audio, and then I'm not quite sure where we're at with it. I haven't spoken to I Rob. But it's just got so much on his plate with everything. Yeah. Um, Alice, I, I was going to say, have you seen or heard of Years and Years? I think it did air on. Uh, I think no, I not don't think so. I, it I, aired I, on I, HBO. I, I googled it because it sounded really interesting. Um, no, I yeah. haven't heard of it. I mean, I love Emma Thompson. Who wouldn't? Yeah, it it aired on HBO in America. Um, oh, okay, and, yeah. Uh, it's like six episodes long. Um, oh, okay, perfect. I don't okay, know. Okay, you... HBO Max. Yeah, I'll have to take. Oh, that is off. it on HBO Max? Nice. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, I I remember hearing loads of good stuff about it, and then just never getting around to it. But I it's think I will. So, and the I, new... I, I need a new good mini, a uh, good new mini series. Um, Honestly, so what? Whilst whilst we're here recommending mini series, I'm just going to mm-hmm. recommend the show I watched this week. Um. If anyone doesn't mind, like, subtitled, or if anyone's French, um, Twice Upon a Time, uh, the French series on Netflix, is such an interesting time travel thriller about this guy who, like, breaks up with his girlfriend and he's, like, really upset about it. And then this mysterious box appears, and when he goes inside the box, it's back six months, and it's, like, he's got to try and make his relationship better. But then it ends up a whole thing around, like, someone dying and about whether he can prevent their death and... Like it's just incredible. It's it's a fifteen. Oh. It's a little oh, saucy in places. I say a smidge saucier than that, actually. Where where is it available in the UK? It's Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Oh. oh, it's on UK Netflix. Oh wow. Okay, nice. And the the amazing Freya Maver plays the lead role, and I had no idea Jeez. she was she speaks French. Like it was just kind of like because she's in Skins in the UK, and she's in like Sunshine on Leith and all these great stuff, and then it's like. Oh, and she also is a French actress. She's done like French feature films and stuff. Oh, so I only that... just clocked. I only just realised it's a Netflix original series. Yeah, I recommend it. Shout out. Nice. To... But Netflix... it is a show, right? Because when yeah. I look it up, it, it looks like it's it's three hours and twelve minutes, and so that's why I'm like, wait, is it a three hour long movie? Or is you I have guess it... I think that's I just think... all the episodes. They must have had them. Yeah, so it's a it's a four parter. And each episode's about 45 minutes, so okay. that kind of... Yeah. Nice. It's good. I, re- I recommend that. And I think it links a little bit to the theory that Robert had on Two Minutes About Time towards the end about whether it's whether time travel exists in that universe, whether it's a coping mechanism. Oh, yeah, I love that. There's a, lot, there's a lot of that sort of stuff throughout where, like, this guy's talking to his psychiatrist about the time travel and she thinks it's a coping mechanism. Yeah, and yeah, And you kind yeah. of watch it and think, maybe it is. Yeah, like it's it's a show that I finished and I instantly wanted to watch again because there's so many things that you you can't catch everything. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. where you kind of want to go back and keep that, track of everything. My favorite kind of shows, especially when it's in a foreign language, like it's harder to remember names and stuff. Oh yeah, so it's one like, of those where you kind of think, oh, I get the gist of this, but I need to watch it again to kind of know to double check that my theory as to what happens is what happens, and mm-hmm. yeah. But four parts, it's a, it's a good gripping show. Um, nice. Uh, so Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson in this scene, it's great. And I think this this whole scene, that the main thing which you've referred to a few times, is when Karen 
Emma Thompson says, Mia's very pretty. And he says, is she? You know, you know she is, darling. Be careful there. I genuinely think at this point, the reason that he doesn't show that he likes her at all is because at this point, he doesn't think it's a concern or threat to them. Yeah, yeah. The fact is that the whole affair with Mia kind of springs up a little bit out of nowhere, I think. Yeah, he, it all he doesn't comes... quite realise it's happening. Yeah, it all comes about very quickly. And then before he knows it, he's like in too deep. Even the fact that his wife realises that something's between them in through yeah. this before he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, he's he's kind of not... I mean, obviously, he is, like, deep down. But he 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 kind of doesn't fully, like... He thinks he has control. Like, I won't yeah. take it too far. It's, yeah, okay, she's a silly little secretary. Yeah. Maybe even in buying the necklace... He doesn't know, doesn't realize how he's how different he's treating her to his wife. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm wondering even at this point, where even at this point, that far into their relationship, whether whilst there is the comments on it, whether he's properly realized. I mean, this is kind of jumping ahead a bit, but like when Emma Thompson's character does like like reveal that she knows about the the affair, it's almost like she's telling him about it. Yes, in a way, like he sort of takes it as like a surprise to him in a way like it's kind of well he's well he's like oh i've turned into that guy like he he does not realize that that is that he yeah and he kind of like him. he all he thinks about is the fact that he's been like like a, a an idiot or a fool as he says but then it's emma thompson that has to be like no like yeah the issue is you've made me look like a fool like i think i think part of the reasoning why we're able to relate a little with alan rickman at this point as well is that we see mia flirting with him before we find out he's married yeah yeah like we uh which i didn't even realize until we were doing it like this that i that it's not wasn't until like a couple of episodes ago that we actually see him married and i kind of mm-hmm. think that maybe you watch it expecting all these different couples to hook up and everything else that you kind of go oh it's another one of those couples that when you suddenly yeah, see yeah. The marriage is kind of in the way of that. You're able not to want him to succeed, but to be able to relate with him enough to you're, feel you're bad kind of, for the mistakes that he makes. Yeah, you're kind of willing for him not to go da- down that path. Um, and we'll touch more on this next episode. Rowan yeah. Atkinson in Love Actually. In the oh, original yes. script, he was a guardian angel. What? Hang he on. Oh angel. my gosh. As in, as in a... Angel angel. Metaphorical entity yes like, and when you look at his scenes it kind of makes sense uh, so a guardian reason... angel a guardian angel to alan rickman's character uh just an angel helping everyone like because the two scenes we see with him uh first scene the whole reason you know him holding alan rickman up therefore means that his wife gets suspicious and she mm-hmm. finds out about, like, she's checking for the necklace and everything else. So it wasn't for Ronak and holding him up. Alan Rickman wouldn't have had to come clean and realise the mistake yeah, he was yeah, making. Yeah. And then at the end, when he lets Thomas Sangster through to the love of his life. Oh, yeah. So you could kind of see how, so, when, yeah, devel- the... when developed a little further, for him to be an angel isn't completely out there. So yeah. in, the scene, in the scene with Alan Rickman, he's kind of helping him to steer away from doing bad. Yeah, by making his wife find out, and then in the scene with Thomas Brody Sangster, he's like helping him achieve his like positive goal of like telling this girl how much he loves her. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's I'm, like still, my I'm mind. Still, yeah, I'm still taking the angel reading when we're doing this show, even while it's not canon now. Yeah, that's like blowing my mind as much as the no time travel theory in about time. So let's talk very briefly about Mia's room. Oh, yeah. It's basic, very basic filmmaking mise en scène. Yes. It's very like, oh, it's red and pink and it's all lust and the draw yeah. of the devil and evil. And you see it very briefly. So it's only when I've got this on pause as I'm going bit by bit that I'm kind of like noticing it. Yeah. So it actually works quite well as a piece of cinema because you're not paying attention to the colours that are being thrown. Yeah. Well, but you whole... do make that association. There's the whole yeah. film trope of, of, you know, the girl in red that's like this yes, like seductive like female character that like acts as like uh, a love interest for the for the male protagonist or can also be like a sort of distraction ta- tactic in, and i know i commented films. before about but, it being a bit over the top but i don't actually mind the devil either well i mean yeah but i mean in this i yeah. guess in this it's kind of like it's confronting those like stereotypes like head on and those tropes um and kind of like i guess maybe not completely like turning them on their head but like just kind of giving them a bit more depth than they would normally have i'm gonna make a big film comparison that's gonna make me sound like a real posh intellectual when really go on because i just studied it in in my film class go for it we can cut that bit out let's compare this to fw murnau's 1927 film sunrise a song of two humans and uh (laughs) and in that film a man is drawn away from his marriage by this woman from the city who it's a black and white silent film. So mm-hmm. red isn't really a prominent thing, but I think but they still use that she's, trope. No, they, she's they also, she's introduced in one of the opening scenes, um, sort of partially getting dressed in lingerie, which is kind of what we see here with her getting undressed. Yeah. It's yeah. that very similar kind of, this is someone whose personality is based around their sex appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh. so I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that I've managed to compare it to a, to, to, to Sunrise, which is a good film. Nice Recommend one. Sunrise. It's basically in the public domain now. It's all on YouTube. I'm not a massive fan of like silent films, but it's beautiful. And it's nice. a piece of filmmaking that you watch it and you think, how on earth was this made in 1927? It, some of the effects are even impressive for like now. Oh, really? Nice. Mm. So then, where so, do we go? So we're going back to the hospital? To the hospital, yes. Yes. So we've then got Sarah seeing her brother in hospital. And her brother is played by an actor called Michael Fitzgerald, who briefly appeared in Emma Thompson and Richard Curtis's debut film, The Tall Guy. And he played Man with Vacuum Cleaner Pipe. Fun. Oh. What a role, I'm sure. A starring role. But Richard remembered him. (laughs) Like he talks in the commentary about how he worked with him, like how when they did this film, they he wanted to get this guy. Now I don't remember his great performance as Man with Vacuum Cleaner Pipe, but I'm gonna have to be on a lookout next time I watch it. <laughs> tall guy's a good film. Shout out to the tall guy. But what's your overall thought of this this final scene in the hospital? I mean, what I was trying to figure out was we didn't even think at first, um, like when we first hear her phone calls, it's her. Brother, because the way she speaks to him is a little bit, you know, strange. I mean, of course, she'd be loving to her brother, but at first we're like, well, is this her boyfriend? Is this her husband? Is, you know, so we're not really sure. Um, and I think, I feel like it's when she was finally with Carl, she's like, oh, yeah, that's my brother. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's very tense, obviously, when when he raises his his hand to her. Uh, you know, that's obviously a very difficult moment. I know. I mean, I I work in a nursing home with people who, you know, sometimes. I, I mean, thankfully, we haven't had too many residents where it's unpredictable behavior, um, at least in a violent way. But you know, especially with people with with dementia, which I don't know, you know, what her brother has, but of people with dementia, you know, they have these erratic mm. behaviors, they have these, you know, interesting reactions to, to things and it's I mean it's it's definitely a very very interesting scene. A lot of a lot of gravity to it though, um, with the mental health aspect. Obviously, because 'cause I'm not very interested in like Sarah and stuff. Yeah, sure it, it we have a bit of clarity but afterwards and they're like, Okay, we're done with that, it doesn't really matter. I would like to say their performances are good, especially the brother. Yeah, I think their the, performance is yeah, great. Yeah, the brother's really it's good. Just, they've not got much to go on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just like you said. I'm just not really interested in like Sarah. Cause, like, I don't know. Her story's a bit boring. Yeah, I. You see, we we don't get the right amount. We see them too much for them to be a small background story, but too little for them to be anyone we care about. Yeah. Like, I think if we had a full story, a full film of them, I'd watch it, and I think it could be quite good. Yeah. But, yeah, because, like, the brother is, like, his performance is just, I, I think it, I think it's great. So, Alice, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so I, um, well, my Facebook is Alice Lauren. My Twitter, hold on, let me make sure. I never know which is which, is which for me of my social medias. Uh, one second here. Oh, yep. My Twitter is at PodSocialite. My TikTok, apparently people are people are now plugging TikToks. My TikTok is a pod. It's podcast socialite. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can. I'll, I I do some podcasts here and there. My movie podcast, now you've seen it, has been on hiatus for a little bit. But we definitely have a great backlog of really kind of those quintessential movies. And we talk to people who've seen a, a film for the first time. And it's it's been really it's been really fun to do that. And I can't wait to get back to that. That's great. And, of course, they can hear um, all of our uh, Monty Python specials as oh, well. Yeah. Callum. Uh, the listeners can find me on Instagram at Cal Reed Productions, where I post all my kind of film photography photoshop work it's very sporadic where i post on there but if you want to see what i've made most recently then that's where to find it if you just want to see random rambles about films and mostly doctor then you can follow me on twitter at callum reed underscore and also for film reviews you can follow me on letterboxd at i think it's just cal reed hang on i think it's just callum reed underscore the same as twitter no it's cal reed sorry cal reed without an underscore c-a-l-r-e-a-d there you go brilliant you can find me on instagram laura collier underscore official you can also find me on facebook which i believe is laura collier music you can also uh, find me on youtube you can find you can find two of my music videos on Bottle Productions, um, it's my happy song and moving on, which you can also get on Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. 
And then I've also got my own YouTube channel that's just Lara Collier, and I have two videos up, an original song and a cover of one of my favourite songs. And the listeners can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero, on Instagram, The Ginger Luke, on Facebook, Luke Allen Film, all podcasts, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm remotely involved in, is over at LukeAllen.co.uk. This show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Christmas Act Pod. They can find us on IMDb. Um, thanks so much for both of you for joining me today, and thanks so much to everyone for listening today. It's been a, it's it's been fun and manic, but fun nonetheless. Um, yeah. And for the listeners, we'll be back tomorrow. That's refreshing. We we seem to have a, we, we, we've got four days in a row this week. Huh? We're back tomorrow, Tuesday the 15th of December, as Alan Rickman leaves, or Harry leaves work to go Christmas shopping, and Mia asks him for something pretty. Oh, yay! So, uh, it's a big, big one next time. All right, thanks so much, and goodbye. Bye. Christmas Actually theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Christmas Actually is produced by Bottolo Productions and is distributed by Lemming Drops Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemmingdrops.com. Mm-hmm.